Welcome to the Starfish Storytellers, the podcast that makes a difference one story at a time by bringing storytelling to life. All right, this is a story about memes, which I think many social media professionals can relate to and, you know, may even know where this is going. Uh, but this took place pretty early in my career, so my first social media role. Uh, still very new, first couple of months I was there learning the team and the organization and all the things that come with being a good social media manager. And it was a Friday night and I got one of those emails that you never want to get, especially on a Friday night. And it was from an executive at our company, a very high up executive, uh, someone I had never had interaction with before. So, you know, big, uh, big things. And they were passing along a message that they had received from someone else uh, about a post that we had done. So this post was a meme. So this meme, they found distasteful in their words, uh, which is definitely not feedback you wanna be getting from anyone higher up. So uh, my manager and I are scrambling to answer this. And for background, the meme was a very popular meme. You probably know what it was. Um, in fact, it has a name, it's called Disaster Girl, I'm pretty sure. And it is a little girl uh, who is in front of a house fire, flaming house fire, and she is looking into the camera and just grinning and a little mischievous. Uh, so definitely can be taken out of context. And so this person found this meme distasteful because they did not understand the context behind it and didn't even really realize what memes were. So now it's a Friday night, we're scrambling to sort this out because, you know, we wanna we wanna defend ourselves in a way that, you know, this was part of our strategy and, you know, this just wasn't something random we were doing. We have a purpose for this. And at this point now we need to educate you about what this is and why we're doing it. And, you know, I think looking back on it, the biggest lesson from this was that as a social media professional, but also as someone who's creating content that is supposed to tell a story and convey these things, you have to consider that your audience may not have all the context they need to appreciate that story and to understand it. So in this situation, it was, they didn't know what the meme, what a meme was. They didn't know what that meme in particular, the background of that and, you know, what, what we were trying to convey there, they saw it as, you know, we were making fun of someone's house burning down. Like, how is that, how is that story conductive to our mission? And, you know, it, it ended with the post was taken down and, you know, we, we kind of just had to go back and adjust our strategy moving forward because, you know, you, you do have to think about those things, that context and how can I, as a storyteller, give the audience enough context to make it relatable, make it understandable. Even if you don't actually know the full context, how can they still get value from it? And how can you achieve what you want to achieve? So, you know, definitely a learning moment for us. And I think something that a lot of social media managers deal with in, in certain ways, even if it's not just a meme.
Hello, my name is Liana Henry, and welcome to the Starfish Storytellers. I'm the CEO of the Black Dog Group, a Marcom and project management firm headquartered on the east coast of the U.S. in quaint colonial Bedford, Massachusetts. I'm your host and passionate about storytelling. I'm actually on a mission to raise up the next generation of storytellers. We've named ourselves the Starfish Storytellers after the Starfish Story. The moral of the Starfish Story is based on the power of one. No matter how big the challenge, each action we take makes a difference and has an impact. One step, one starfish, or one story at a time. Every episode, we welcome a new storyteller who will share their story meant to inspire and connect with you. Then we'll break it down and offer tips for any listeners who are ready to tell their own stories. So thanks for tuning in. Now let's get started. With me today is Delaney Gembis, social media manager at a local biometrics company and a volunteer social media manager for an animal rescue. Delaney develops organic social media content that presents a trustworthy brand image for her company. And in her free time, she develops Animal Rescue Connections social media content, which creates engagement for their social media community. So we're really happy to have you here, Delaney. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So we always like to get started by having sort of a more formal introduction. Maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit more about you. Sure. Uh, Hello, listeners. My name is Delaney. I am uh, a Massachusetts local, so grew up in Massachusetts, went to school out in Western Mass and studied communication and business. And after school, I landed in social media. Um, I have worked for a cybersecurity company for four and a half years doing their social media management. And currently I am at a biometric authentication technology company doing their social media management. And uh, in my free time, I have also picked up the volunteer role for an animal rescue. uh, We call ourselves Animal Rescue Connection with a K. Uh, and we specialize in hard-to-place dogs uh, who need, you know, a little something special. So, you know, maybe it's behavioral or maybe it's uh, a home with no children or no other pets. Uh, so I do a lot of social media. I'm excited to chat with you today about it. Uh, and definitely there's a huge storytelling element to everything everything that we do there. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know the social social media is completely storytelling. Um, so um, what, as, what, uh, to get started, uh, maybe you could t- share with us what is it like a day in the life of a corporate social media manager? And also when you're, when you're talking about it, um, can you talk a little bit about what is organic social media for people who maybe don't know? Yes. So I'll start with organic social media. Organic social media is what you might consider earned social media. So it's not paid. There's no sponsoring or boosting of content. It is channels you own, you're putting out the content, uh, and there's no extra money behind it. So, you know, a lot of companies may have a whole team who are dedicated just to uh, sponsored or paid social media. And then sometimes there are teams just for organic social uh, organic social is generally my bread and butter, but I'm dipping more into doing paid opportunities and also some kind of ghost writing, ghost management for people. So specifically for executives. So definitely a couple different areas of social, but organic is kind of my my where my experience lies. Mm-hmm. So you said that you are doing some ghost writing. Yes. 
So you are you are doing you are the voice for the executive on their social media channels, right? Um, so, I, and I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. How how are you finding that? Um, because I, one of my last roles, I was a comms manager, and um, it, it was sometimes it was challenging to capture and elevate the executive voice. Um, you know, sometimes. I find that with some of the bigger companies that I worked with, you know, sort of the the social media team basically kind of sort of took over the 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 accounts and basically would just be posting in the in the person's name. But I've worked with some executives that were very specific about how they wanted to sound and um, and sometimes you know as a social media manager you know, wanting to encourage them to consider the brand. You know, this is your brand. This is how you sound. And, you know, how do you want to present? And, you know, I mean, how are you, how are you finding it? Yes, no, definitely a very similar experience. It, it varies on who you're working with, what their goals are. Uh, and really, I think a huge factor is the time that they have to contribute to helping you. Because at the end of the day, you know, they bring someone like me on, to take things off of their plate and to represent them, but I need I need authenticity and solid insights and value, and I really have to be able to connect with them in order to do that and convey their personal brand and tell their stories. And it's it's tough. So it takes uh, first. I would say it just takes getting to know your the person you're representing a little bit, know what their expectations and goals are, be be familiar with what they're going to be able to provide you consistently, um, and then change your strategy around that. So for example, I have an executive that I work with who is very technical, he's so knowledgeable, and you know, I will give him a prompt and he'll just spew like very insightful, great content. And then I pick and choose and I optimize it. And that's how I'm creating his social content. And, you know, on the other hand, I may work with someone who isn't, that's not how their brain works and that's not how they communicate. So, you know, I may be picking up more slack in certain ways for that person. And it's just kind of creating your strategy around that and around, you know, how they're going to work and then also their goals, right? Because, you know, one person may be in a more technical role. So I want to talk about certain technical topics or technical stories or being, you know, providing certain value in that way. And then my other executive, you know, may have a little bit of a different audience and and different goals and and different sway and, and uh, a reputation essentially online. So it definitely depends. Um, but I feel the struggle of it's challenging. It's a challenging responsibility to be in charge of someone else's personal brand. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's fun. I'm really, I'm really enjoying getting to do it and, and diving in. And I'm certainly really just diving in. So it's, it, we're learning as we go. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, so, you know, I really appreciated you telling the memes story. Um, you know, memes are, sort of in a class all their own and they they can be really well used um but they really do you know you spoke about the need for context and um you know I uh I I tend to not use them personally um on certain channels 
right? Like certain channels, it seems like it might be okay. Other channels, no. Um, you know, different channels require different types of storytelling. And, you know, in when the opportunities that I've had as a social media manager, um, you know, we might post to LinkedIn to reach our colleagues, you know, Facebook, we might be doing a little bit of business, but culture, Instagram, we're going to focus on culture. Um, X, which is formerly Twitter, might be like rapid fire, like yeah. quick updates, you know, from the trade show floor. Um, and, you know, YouTube would be our video channel. Do you have like a preference in the channels that you use? I don't even know if you even have a choice or, you know, like in your strategies that you work out, you know, are you thinking, okay, this is, I'm sure you have a, like a very full like content calendar or planner always going, but, um, you know, are you looking at, okay, we want to get this message out this week or this month. And so we're going to put it here, here and here. I mean, how do you, how do you kind of come up with your strategies? Yes. Uh, I've learned to juggle, uh, <laughs> is what the strategy is. Uh, no, the first and foremost, the strategy always depends on who I'm serving. So the channels that we choose cater to the audiences that, you know, we want to be reaching to. So if I have a more technical audience, you know, I'm definitely going to be considering something like Twitter or X. I definitely want to consider LinkedIn as a more professional, uh, very much B2B type space. Um, I may be avoiding something like Instagram because it's very visual and I depending on, you know, the product service solution that you're selling, it may not be a very visual, you know, may not have very many visual opportunities. So right. it definitely depends who your audience is first and foremost and where they are. And that's where I want to be. Um, second, it's evaluating if that channel is appropriate for your organization, your mission and your goals. Uh, I come from a very B2B background, so I am uh, it I do think it's a little bit different than consumer right. uh, audiences and 100%. and what their goals are, right? 100%. So you know, I'm definitely more on that that B2B side of social media. Um, that being said, social media is a great place to experiment a little too. And you know, you may try, a platform like Facebook, for example, that is very traditionally, you know, you connect with your friends and your family and you follow pages and people that you enjoy or find entertaining and you're not following a brand or, you know, a company or something. Um, but maybe there are opportunities within Facebook groups, like to create communities and things like that. So it's, it's just taking all of that into account uh, as well as your bandwidth, right? Like it's so much work to manage even one social account. So kind of prioritizing where your people are, what your mission is, and what you have to give. And I I really always try to focus on quality over quantity. So if I'm just throwing something out to throw something out, I don't want to be doing that as a long-term strategy. Um, so yeah, definitely depends on the channels that you, you know, you want to be on and and that makes sense for you to be on. Mm -hmm. Have you found that your the companies that you represent have they been pretty specific in their guidance towards you to you around we really don't want to use this channel or we really don't you know we really prefer this channel or we want to put you know have they have they pretty much directed you or do you sort of have the the ability to say okay 
based on the tell me what this tell me what we're going to be talking about tell me what the strategy is okay i think we need to go here here and here right yeah in my experience they very much have been you have experience with this what do you think And then let's align with those things. Um, Generally, in a lot of situations, you come in as a social media manager and you inherit whatever they already have. So in that respect, you know, that's not always up to me. Uh, But for example, we are, you know, something we're evaluating is Twitter right now is X. Is this a place we should be on? We have been in the past, but it's changed. Like it's not the same platform anymore. So doing things like evaluating, even as the platforms are changing, you know, is this worth our time and our money? Because especially now X is becoming more pay to play specifically for brand accounts and, Mm -hmm. you know, anyone who wants to participate in advertising and the paid, that whole paid program, that's a lot of money. It's pretty expensive. So, you know, that's something that I'm going to be looking into and that I'm going to be making recommendations for. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's definitely up to, um, you know, someone a little bit higher up than me in marketing, but it's definitely, they take my insights and my experience and and recommendations. And then we kind of make that decision together, I think. Good. That's good. And that was one of my questions was, um, you know, what was, as a social media manager, what were your thoughts on the move to change Twitter to X and has it impacted your use of the channel? You know, I, in my last role, um, you know, we, we were debating whether we even wanted to associate our brand with sort of, cause it was a bit tumultuous what was going on over there. And, um, you know, so we kind of had pulled back for a while and we weren't using the platform because we really wanted to kind of step in and step back and just, you know, watch what was happening. What has been your experience? Yeah, very similar experience, kind of evaluating what's going on. Uh, in in the past several months, so I had previously worked for another company uh, and then the company I'm at now. So I've had kind of two different experiences with this whole transition. And in both, our strategy thus far has been continue doing what we're doing in terms of organic social, right? Because like I mentioned, the whole paid thing is way different now. Uh, keep doing what we're doing organically. Um, at my current role, we definitely have a much less engaged audience there. So it it was a platform that I came in and wanted to build up anyways. But now with the situation, it's kind of a, do we do we put more into it? Do we continue putting in the same amount of effort that we're doing now just to kind of keep it alive? Um, or do we get rid of it and put our time and efforts into something else? And, you know, at this time, especially as a brand, as a company, we're deciding if we want to participate in X, we probably do need to also subscribe to their paid, I I don't think it's Twitter blue anymore. Um, I forget what they're calling it, but do we want to subscribe to that and participate in it? Because if we don't, our content is not being shown to as many people. It's not being prioritized by the algorithms. So, you know, I'm I'm putting out this organic content and like a handful of people are seeing it. That's, you know, really tough. And if we do invest in it, it's, you know, so many dollars a month. But then, you know, you've got to put more time and effort into putting that content out there and keeping it alive. So that's also 
you know, time and money on my side. And at the end of the day, are the results worth it? So, you know, I think just considering all those factors and your goals and what you have to give, it's a, it's kind of a tough, you know, what, what's going on. And it's, and it's been kind of like the, I've been calling it the wild west for the past so many months because it's, it's crazy. It really has been. I I feel like, you know, as you're so often, it's just, there's going to be some new news report about this platform most days mm-hmm. and yeah, and changes it just is a lot of changes happening yeah yeah for sure um so you talk about experimenting on on uh different platforms um so i'm i want to pick your brain about asset types and um what are you finding performs the best i i'm seeing just such a wide sweep of video. It's got to be, it's got to be motion. People want motion. And, um, you know, as a, you know, I am a social media manager now for one of my clients and that's a lot of production time, you know, and I can speak for my podcast manager that's sitting in the room with us right now about all of the time that goes into producing, um, that he spends. Um, so maybe you can talk a little bit about what do you, how do you handle sort of all of that content creation and what are you seeing performing best? And then maybe after that, we can talk a little bit too about what's up and coming. Like, you know, what are you, what are you seeing out there? Yeah. Um, first, my disclaimer is my insights and advice are always with a grain of salt because I think it absolutely depends on what you're doing on social media, who you're representing, what type of audience and and industry you're in. Uh, So, you know, something that performs well in my sphere, which I consider tech as a broad industry, something that performs well in my sphere may not be the same as what's performing in entertainment or food and drink or, you know, that's very different. Uh, So my perspective is in my experience of tech. And my clients right now are tech clients. Yeah, great. Um, So... Video, I love to talk about video because like you, I feel like the past couple of years you've seen video, video, video. You've got to be doing video. Video gets the most engagement. Video is the viral content, blah, blah, blah. Like it's all about video. Uh, In my previous role, we tried video. We found very similarly, it's so time consuming. Um, Production quality is going to be, you know, something that you pay for. Uh, so it's very costly, uh, but at the end of the day, you still want it to look good. So you've got to find that happy medium. And we were finding that all this time, effort, and money was not worth the engagement we were seeing for video because they just were not performing. And, you know, I was posting at the time on LinkedIn, Facebook, not so much Instagram because we definitely had not at this, and you know, this was a couple years ago at this point, cause it's changed a lot in the past few years with reels. And we were finding video there was not a performer at all compared to static images. Um, so, you know, we kind of just scaled back our video strategy and didn't put as much time and effort into creating videos. And uh, in the in the role I'm in now at this company, I'm I'm still in that phase of doing some experimenting to see what content really works with our audience and, you know, for what we have. And I'm finding that I'm creating these videos that are seemingly 
you know, I've just started this process, but they are seemingly worth the time and effort of making them. Um, but again, I have to give the disclaimer that it really depends on the content you're talking about too. So I'm really focusing on highlighting our real people, our real experts and sharing their insights and advice or whatever valuable um, content that they have to give. That's what I'm highlighting in the videos. And, you know, something like that is much more effective in video than some something that's just full of stock videos and images or graphics, something like that. So it definitely depends on the content. Um, so right now I would say videos can be hit or miss. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't guarantee they're the best performer, but I have absolutely seen quality videos just tank um, in terms of earning engagement and impressions and all that good stuff. So why do you think that is? I think, uh, especially nowadays, I think our audience wants short form. And I think mm. too often videos are what I would consider long form. And I would, for social media, long form, I would consider over a minute. Like we don't have people's attention spans. I think their attention spans are getting shorter. Actually. Yes. Yes. I agree. Uh, especially with like TikTok and Reels, like mm -hmm. oh man, I'm addicted to that scroll. I'll, <laughs> anyways, we won't we won't talk about TikTok too much, but um, but yeah, I I think videos have been hit or miss for me, um, and I also think it really depends on the platform. Again, like I do a lot on LinkedIn, and on LinkedIn, I've seen really great success with carousels, although they've just Those are changed. New, though, aren't they kind of newer? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there's they're kind of weird because they've, they had a carousel feature that was only available to certain people. So it was not a, it was not a fully rolled out feature. And a couple months ago, they actually got rid of that feature, but the workaround is posting uh, PDF documents. So that publishes as that carousel format, right? So I can still post that. I've always been able to post those, but I didn't have access to the other feature. So that was kind of an interesting update that I saw there because so many people used that feature and it generally, I see a ton of engagement with carousels, even if it's not a ton of likes or comments, the engagement rate and the click-through rate of those is insane compared to videos or, you know, just posting a bunch of images, like a series of images or one image. Uh, so I think a hugely great piece of content or format of content specifically for LinkedIn is carousels. Mm -hmm. Um, for other platforms, like going back to the video thing, everyone says Facebook video is it video is it, uh, my previous role, that was not the case. So we kind of avoided it. Uh, I found success with posts that had like a multi-series image post. That's what I would call them. So it was just, a, it was essentially the same content that is in a carousel, but it's just images. So you just scroll through as if you're looking through photos. Um, I found that kind of content did really well on Facebook and specifically including a post that had multiple images versus just one, you benefit from those clicks and, and getting that engagement there. Um, Instagram, definitely visual, like the static visuals, obviously the higher quality, that's always better. Um, but nowadays the reels, they are, they are up. pushing, yes. And it's definitely... And anybody I mean, can do them and yes. get ridiculous amount of followers and yes. in, in, like engagement. It's crazy. Right. And 
that kind of leads me to a, a tip I would give too, is that take advantage of the formats that the platforms themselves are pushing you to use. So reels are being pushed by the Instagram because they want you to use them. So capitalize on that. Months ago, LinkedIn was pushing carousels. Capitalize on that. A couple years ago, LinkedIn introduced polls. I'll post a poll that gets, you know, not many votes at all, but it gets a ton of impressions because LinkedIn pushes that content. So, you know, whatever they are, they want you to be using, use that to your advantage mm -hmm. of, yeah, I'll use that format because it's going to get me some extra engagement and, you know, just optimize your content to work, to work well for that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm some of the, some of the different types, it just is amazing to me how, and how quickly they take off. Yes. So, yeah. And I, I love the carousels on LinkedIn. <gasps> me too. They're so, uh, they're so educational and informative. Yeah. I follow so many other social media professionals and that's kind of my main way that I keep my finger on the pulse of mm -hmm. what's going on in social media. And I just flick through a couple of those and great. It's very convenient. Very valuable. Do you find that, um, you know, one of the things that I, I love on LinkedIn is, is things like Ted talks or the, the excerpts from some of the influencers I follow when they're doing their podcasts or their presentations. Um, like the captions are big, I think. Um, are you finding, you know, what are you know, what are, are you finding that those kinds of things are, are getting a lot of engagement as well? Yeah, I would say, especially for LinkedIn, anything educational, informative, they've even said, you know, in the last couple of weeks, they are pushing first and foremost educational content. So something like a TED Talk or anything that really provides you that value is perfect for especially something like LinkedIn. Um, and I, I do think you know, that's content that a lot of people want on social media and are willing to follow pages and brands and companies if they're going to get that content in return. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, I think it's definitely effective uh, for reaching people, building relationships, you know, proving uh, you're trustworthy or your expertise. Uh, all of those things I think are are connected to that type of content. Yeah, no, I, I find it really, really useful. Um, let's see. Oh, you know what I want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet today, and I really think we should talk about it, is your work with the nonprofit, with your volunteer work. Um, so when I looked at your post that you uh, made that for your company versus the post that you were doing for the nonprofit, the tone obviously is very different, right? Um, and I noticed for the nonprofit, you know, there was, it was a little longer form, you know, some of the, some of the posts for the company were just, you know, two lines with a link and a quick, you know, you know, one minute video or something. And that was it. Um, is it that you're, that you really need to make sure you get as much information into that blurb for the rescue as quickly as possible? Um, and what are you finding is getting more attention from visitors? So I love that you asked that question because this is actually something we're experimenting with on the ARC front, Animal Rescue Connection ARC. And uh, yes, we do try to pack a lot of information into those posts. One of the reasons for that, I think, is very related to that storytelling aspect. Each post usually is highlighting one dog that we want to get rescued. Mm -hmm. So 
in that way, each post kind of acts as its own story. And I have found as a social media user that I want all the information I can get in a post. I don't want to have to click away to get more information necessarily. Um, you know, unless people use that as like the call to action, right? Like get more insights and click this or sign up for our webinar. That makes sense. But if, for example, I'm looking to adopt a dog, I think it's very convenient to have all of that information right there in that post. I have the dog's story. I have, you know, the type of home that they're looking for it. I don't have to click away because I'm less likely to do that. Uh, that's kind of the method to the madness of doing that. Um, we are, want to experiment with doing shorter posts or post captions for almost the same reason, but the opposite way that people have such short attention spans, they're not going to read through that whole thing. So is it more effective to just include some of the basics and keep it short and sweet? And, you know, then they click away to get all of that extra information. Um, in my experience also, sometimes it's beneficial to include more content in the caption because now the user is spending more time on your post and that counts towards engagement. That's something that algorithms are looking for and measuring how long is this person spending on your post. Mm -hmm. So if I have a longer post, I'm going to get, you know, a little bit extra engagement. But then on the flip side, how do I know people are actually sitting there and reading the whole thing? So that's definitely something that is kind of a, you know, we've got to experiment a little bit more to have a definitive answer. Mm -hmm. um, on, on the professional, my, you know, professional work side, they are definitely very different, different tones, you know, different formats. But I would say on the work side, in terms of storytelling, I'm putting out all of these posts to tell a broader brand story or product solution story or customer customer journey story. So everything I'm putting out is, you know, kind of telling that story. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like the content on the rescue page is a little bit more individualized and it's telling that dog it's telling that dog's story and not necessarily connecting to a lot of our other content. So mm -hmm. like, you know, I want that same feel and that arc, that arc brand feel, right? But it's, it seems more individualized per post in that way to me. And, and that just kind of makes sense to format things that way. Right. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's always worth experimenting with to see if your audience responds to something or another. And it also always depends on the content that you're putting out, right? And what you want to actually convey. So lots of variables, but um, yeah, interesting to experiment those lengths of posts. I have found that a lot of nonprofits rely heavily. I mean, a lot of companies rely heavily on their social media, but a, not, a lot of nonprofits rely yes. heavily on social media as they're advertising. Right. Um, you know, so I think when you're thinking about the feel yep. of, of the story that you're trying to tell, mm -hmm. especially for the nonprofit for this animal rescue, you're trying to have that person that's looking at that dog make that connection. Right, right. Um, it's just a different connection yes. from the tech side of the mm -hmm. house and the corporate yeah. side of the house. But right. it's really about making the connection through storytelling. Yep. So, well, that's all the time we have for today. Um, thank you so much, Delaney, for being our guest. Mm. I really 
I love talking about the memes. I love talking <laughs> shop about, you know, the, the channels and, and just even hearing about the, the volunteering and, and, you know, telling those social media stories to get the dogs adopted. Yeah. So. yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to, happy to chat. I always make the joke. I could talk about social media for days. So love, love to talk to anyone about it and, and get your perspectives as well. That was really great to hear you. And to our listeners, whether you hear us locally from the BTV studios in Bedford, Massachusetts, or across the globe on such podcast channels as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Prime, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next time. Happy storytelling. Happy storytelling.